Would you turn with me to 2 Timothy, the third chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. He said, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. I just want to stop right there. Now, when he wrote this, if they didn't think they were in the last days, I'm sure they thought they were close. And that's been a long time ago. And we know this for sure. We're in the latest days anybody has ever lived. (laughs) These are as close to the last days as anybody's ever got so far. (laughs) And for all we know, could be the last of the last. The master could be much closer to coming than we even know. Could it be next year? Could it be next month? Could it be tomorrow? Well, I think we should live ready. Don't you? I don't think anybody has a leg to stand on to say, no, it's not going to be for another hundred years. Even if it was, who said you got a hundred years? Or a year? I think we should live ready. I think we should be ready either for him coming or for us leaving to meet him tonight. I think not to do so is foolish and dangerous. But he said there would be this progression that in the last days, what would happen? Perilous times. Any of your modern translations, what do they say instead of perilous? Huh? Difficult. Hmm? Stress, terrible. One word you could say is dangerous. Dangerous. Dangerous times. The world is not a safe place. Did you know that? The world is not. A safe place. Somebody said, well, you know, I, we live in a safe place. Eh. <laughs> well, the world is not a safe place. You hear sometimes people say, well, how's the world treating you? <laughs> Man, the world treats you bad. <laughs> the world will kick you and spit on you. The world will kill you. No. I mean, you hear on the news every day. Every morning, every noontime, every evening, local news, national news, somebody got robbed. Somebody got killed. Somebody died in a car accident. Somebody was murdered. I'm not talking about a thousand miles away. I'm talking about in Branson. Talking about in Springfield. The thing is, we're accustomed to it. But we live in a dangerous place, this planet Earth. There's enough stuff floating in the air right now to kill all of us. Huh? There's enough stuff in what you eat and drink, even if you think you're careful, to kill you. In fact, there's probably stuff resident in your body right now. Stored in your fat, stored in your glands, your organs. 
enough to kill you dead tonight. <laughs> if it was all loosed on you at once. <laughs> Mrs. Brother Keith, this is not encouraging me. <laughs> well, it ain't over. Hold on. Is it true or not? We live in a very dangerous place. And in the last days, he didn't say it gets safer. Hmm? In the last days, he didn't say there'd be, it gets safer. He told us. And when the Lord says it's going to happen, then no need for you to say, no, I'm rebuking that. I'm rebuking that. I'm just believing it's going to, everywhere's going to get real safe. You can't override this. With your faith, your faith is based on this. Here's the good news. We are in the world. But we're not of the world. And we have a God who is a protector. Oh, hallelujah. And I want to begin tonight a series we're going to call Perfect Protection. Perfect Protection. Is that okay with you? Will you believe with me on this? And I didn't, I'm not starting this because of anything I heard on the news or saw or or any fear in me. I refuse to have it. But by the leading of the Lord. He knows what's coming up. He knows what's coming up on the world. He knows what's coming up in the country. He knows what's coming up in your personal life. And how many would agree, you don't want to go out the door in the morning without having an awareness and a confidence that God's going to protect you. He's going to protect you in your driving, you're going and you're coming, you're working, people you see, the things you do. And faith comes by hearing. So let's hear some word on the protection of God. And let's get our faith built up and let's learn about His part And how he does it, let's learn about our part to make sure because there's a lot of times, you know, we don't even have to ask. I mean, there are times things happen to you and things happen to me. We weren't protected. See how it gets quiet when you say that. You know, it's true. You have had stuff happen that shouldn't happen to you. So have I. You know, uh, I was telling Mike the other day, you know, that thing we took off. In Orange, Texas, in the middle of the night, and them bugs had crawled in there, stopped up our holes that give us the air to read the instruments. There's a 747 full of people several years ago all died because of that same thing. Wasn't bugs. Somebody had taped those things over to wash it and forgot to take the tape off. That's why you pray over which plane you're going to get on. Before you go on the trip, say, Lord, I ask you. To direct the selection of the plane and the pilots that I'm going to be on makes a big difference. And the Lord had dealt with me right after I got that plane to get some covers for that. But they didn't officially make them for that particular model. And I looked around a little bit. I didn't find any. And nobody ever really has problems with that. I mean, the factory was surprised that we'd had problems like that. 
But uh, we were able to find some online for a big airplane that we're able to adjust and make work on that. But if we'd had that, that would have never happened. That little cover had just been on there. But see, what I felt like is, you know, well, that meant, you know, it's not really that issue with my mind, but it came up in my heart. And I felt like I had time. Are y'all with me now? That I would do it. But week after week passed by. And I'm going to do it. Do you understand? Well, see, if we'd have just got those covers a month early, that would have never happened. Well, I'm touching on getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but we do have a part in this protection area. And again and again, people are not being led by the Spirit. And you hear people say, well, uh, I just don't understand that, you know. Well, let's say uh, me and Mike had died that night. This is history I'm talking about. <laughs> well, you know, if the other hole had been stopped up, it was dark. It was very serious. Of course, I believe God would have helped us. But if we'd have died out there, somebody would have said, well, yeah, he's a big faith preacher. <laughs> you know, they'd, all that stuff they talk. Look, you know, he's dead and ain't even 50 years old and, and this and that. And some other folk, maybe in the church that didn't know better, they might say, well, I don't understand, you know, why didn't God protect our pastor? Why didn't God, you know, God, why didn't you protect our pastor? God, why didn't you protect our pastor? That ain't the question. The question is, why didn't your pastor listen? Are you with me? And that's the question again and again and again. You know, you heard uh, my cousin If you were here, who was in Iraq for uh, two different terms of duty, one of the hottest jobs that's over there. But when he first went over there, he asked us to pray for him. I mean, they're the guys who go in the middle of the night and knock down doors and pull the bad guys out. They got one of the hottest jobs in the whole military. They're the guys that had to go in and paint the targets on the ground for the aircraft and call in the support. Hot job. And he wanted me to pray. I said, I will, but you have a part to play in this. You must begin to be serious about being led by the Spirit and learn about it. So we sent him the series, Spirit-Led Life 1 and 2. He began to devour that and eat it up. And if you were here, you heard him tell one of the last times he's supposed to go home in just a few weeks. It was his second tour of duty in there. And... Uh, he said they always, when they rushed in and the guys in the front are laying down fire, they went up to the top of the house and put up their radio equipment to call in air support when and if and as they needed it. And he started to go up that stair and said the Holy Ghost checked him, don't go up, don't go up. Well, they always do that. But he didn't. It was so strong, he stopped. And he thought, well, he's going, I'm going to do something else. So he went towards the backyard. One guy did go up, got killed immediately. There were a bunch of guys on the top waiting for him. And he said that must have happened 20 times in those different terms. Well, people say, well, I don't understand. why I prayed. Why didn't God do that? That ain't the question. God is faithful. He always hears our prayers. He always answers them. Always, always, he's never failed anybody and he never will. That's not the question. What's the question? Why don't people listen? Well, one reason is they're not taught to. 
A lot of folks are not taught to. They're taught to pray and then whatever happens, well, that's it. You know, we'll just see. It's all in God's hands. No, no, no. We have a part in this thing. And we are to learn how to be led by the Spirit. I'm telling you, one of the most important things you will ever learn in your life. Difference between life and death. How to be led by the Spirit. So we'll be touching on that some. Turn with me, if you would, to the uh, 91st Psalm. The 91st Psalm. What do you do in these perilous times? These dangerous times? Can you do anything? Can you be safe? In the middle of a crazy world? Sin-filled? Curse-filled? Crime-filled? Terror-filled world? This is not a safe planet we're living on. This is not a safe place. But there is a safe place. I said there is a safe place, and you can get in it, and you can stay in it. Hallelujah. Psalm 91. Now, you're familiar with the King James. I'm going to read you the the English version on this. Psalm 91.1. Whoever goes to the Lord for safety, whoever remains under the protection of the Almighty, can say to him, you are my defender and protector. You are my God. In you I trust. There's a lot right here. Whoever goes to the Lord for safety, whoever remains under the protection of the Almighty, the secret place of the Most High, what's the next phrase? Read it out loud from the King James for me. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What else? Right there, right there, right there, right there. Oh, did you get that now? You got God's part and you got your part. He is the protector. He is The Most High. He has the secret protected place. He has the protecting power. What's your part? What's my part? Here's one of them. I will say this. Didn't you say I'll think it? Didn't you say I'll believe it? What did he say? I will say this. Should you say this? Should you say it more than one time in your life? What should you say? Yeah. Let me read it to you from this translation. You are my defender. You are my protector. You are my God. In you I trust. Say that after me. You are my defender. You are my protector. You are my God. In you I trust. People... Millions of Christians have just left things too much in the air. And they say, well, you know, you just never know what God's going to do. And if it's his will, he will. And if he don't, let's pray. But you know, of course, it's just going to be whatever is his will. Well, now, what did he say? I will say this. God defends me. God protects me. He's my God. He's my protector. 
What does that mean if he's my protector? He protects me. Do you need to say out loud, God protects me? Are there a lot of Christians who wouldn't say that? Yeah. What would they say? Oh, I I don't want to be presumptuous. I mean, I know he can. I know he can. I know he can. (laughs) Well, that ain't enough, my brother and sister. The Bible said the devils believe in God and tremble. They know he can too. You got to believe he will. I said you got to believe he will. And as you read this psalm, you see that the psalmist is expressing that he is confessing. God will do this. God will do this. And he'll do this for me. And even if this happens, this won't happen to me. And even if that, this won't happen to me. He starts it off by saying, God is my refuge. He's my strength. He's my God. He's my protector. You need to talk like this every day and every night. You get into a situation where you're tempted to fear. It doesn't look good. You're getting a lot of bad reports. You're getting bad things. You see it on the TV. You don't go, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What should you say? God is my protector. He protects me. He protects my family. He protects my kids. God is my protector. He is my defender. He is my God. In Him, I will trust. Trust what? Trust that He'll do what? What you're saying, that He will protect you. Oh, are you with me now? Say it one more time. God is my protector. He's my defender. He is my God. In Him, I trust that He will protect me. Said he will keep you safe from all hidden dangers and from all deadly diseases. I reckon that would include diseases that were engineered to be a weapon. If it's a deadly disease, he'll keep you safe from all hidden dangers. That's things that people didn't find. And from deadly diseases. He will cover you with his wings. You'll be safe in his care. His faithfulness will protect you and defend you. You need not fear any dangers at night or sudden attacks during the day. Or plagues that strike in the dark or evils that kill in the daylight. A thousand may fall dead beside you. 10,000 all around you. But you will not be harmed. Boy, that's a far cry from you just never know. Isn't it? That's a far cry. See, people think that's arrogance. If you say, I don't care. If a thousand died beside me or ten thousand around me, it won't happen to me. You go, whoa, 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 whoa. Who do you think you are? (laughs) 
you better watch that talk. You just don't know. You just never know. That's just, that's up to God. That is a lie that has been taught from pulpits. This is the Bible. This, oh, hallelujah. This is the Bible. This is what we're going to believe in these perilous times. God is my protector. He protects me. God is my defender. He's my God. And I trust him to protect me. He said, uh, you'll look and see how the wicked are punished. But he just got through sin, but it won't happen to you. You have made the Lord your defender, the Most High, your protector. Don't assume you know this now. Well, there's a great truth here. The Lord is, I'm endeavoring to get to it. You have made the Lord your defender. In order to be born again... You must not only believe that God is real, that Jesus is real, that he went to the cross, that he paid his price. you got to go on and believe something else. He must become your Lord, your Savior. You confess him as my Lord, my Savior. Well, it's the same way in every area. You must confess him as my defender, my protector. Everybody said out loud, the Lord. Is my protector. He protects me. You got to talk like this. He said, and so you have made the Lord your defender. Who can do that for you? You got to do it for yourself. You've made the Lord your defender. You've made the Lord most high your protector. And so no disaster will strike you. Can you count on this? Is this the word of God? Well, how many understand people, they read this and they don't like the absoluteness of it. They're like, well, you know, that that no disaster would ever happen to you. Well, well, what are they working up to say? You you just never know. So see, they believe that more, they believe you just never know more than this. Don't they? And you just never know is not a scripture. It's not there. Have you ever read in the Bible where Jesus said, well, you just never know what God's going to do. Well. You just never know what's going to happen. You just never know. Did you ever hear Peter say that? Or Paul? Or Barnabas? or Huh? Find it in Acts or any of the epistles? or No. You do find this. A thousand may fall dead over here. Ten thousand all over here. I mean, that's like a town being wiped out, isn't it? And we got one believer standing. And it was the one who would rather cuss than say, you just never know. 
Now, I know that sounds extreme, but friend, your life can depend on this. Your life could depend on this. Well, I just don't know that I believe it like that. I just leave it up to the Lord. Well, that's what you want to believe, but it's not the Bible. Well, I got a right to my beliefs. No, you don't. If Jesus is really your Lord, then you don't have a right to believe anything you decide to believe, nor do I. We are told to believe what he said and not create our own doctrines. He said, no disaster will strike you. Listen to this. No violence will come near your home. No violence will come near your home. Can we really believe this? Now see, the devil will tell you, ah, stuff happens. And the people it happened to, they didn't want it to happen to them. And you know, eight out of ten, sometime in their life, five out of ten in the world, it'll happen to. What's he working up to get you to say? You just never know whether you're going to be the next one. Nobody wanted it to be them, but you just never know. God will put his... Let me read that again. And so, no disaster will strike you. No violence will come near your home. Now let's back up. Who is this for? Let's back up to the beginning of it. Who is this for? Those who say of the Lord. Lord, you are my refuge. You are my defender. You are my protector. You are my God. In you I will trust. God will put his angels in charge of you to protect you wherever you go. They'll hold you up in their hands to keep you from hurting your feet. On the stones. That's happened to me more than once. Things can happen so quick. They can happen so quick that your mind didn't really have a time to to grasp it. But we've been in situations where that it seemed like a problem, a disaster, destruction was imminent. Next thing you know, you're safe. You're somewhere else. You're out of the way. But what happened is you got moved. This has already happened in our church many times. You ever heard all these testimonies? You've heard them if you've been coming here every Sunday and Friday. People, whole families, youth, individuals out in their cars or in town and doing different things and thought, man, it looked like they were done for. Next thing you know, they're in a safe place. It's all over. That's what's happening. These angels are literally lifting and moving. And it happens faster than your mind can comprehend it. So you're sitting there going, huh? I was just, and it looked like we were, how did we get over here? It ain't time to scratch your head. It's time to go, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are my protector. You take care of me and my family. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right? He said. You'll trample down lions and snakes, fierce lions and poisonous snakes. God says, I will save those who love me 
and will protect those who acknowledge me as Lord. Did you hear this? I will save those who love me. I will protect those that do what? That acknowledge me. Can you hear a recurring theme here? He started off by saying, you're my protector. You're my God. Do we have to acknowledge him? Do we have to confess and claim him as our God, as our protector? We do. He said, when they call to me, I will answer them. When they're in trouble, I will be with them. I will rescue them and honor them. And with long, I will reward them with long life. I will save them. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Now go to Deuteronomy 32, please. Deuteronomy 32. Hallelujah. I had seen bits of this and pieces of this, but I see it clearer tonight than I ever have. It applies to the whole nation and nations. It applies to you as an individual, to your family, to this church, to the protection of us. We must give God the legal right to protect us. And if he spares us from having a car wreck when he didn't spare some of his other people that were born again too from having a car wreck, he's got to have a good reason why. Did you hear me? One thing you need to know about the Lord, he is not indiscriminately protecting this one and not protecting that one. No, no, no. God is completely just. He is righteous. He is fair. He's completely righteous and just in everything he does and everything he allows or doesn't do. Whether you know it or not, there are reasons why. I said there are reasons. But just because God allowed something, that does not mean that it was his will. And this is what confuses people. Well, God allowed it. He must have had some purpose in it. What about God allowing sin? What's his purpose in that? What about God allowing people to go to hell? No. God allows all kind of things. That's not his will. And it's because we have a will. And what we will to do and not do affects him. In what he is legally able to do and not do for us. Now listen to this. and don't, You know, these are his words. Not me talking about it. These are his words here in Deuteronomy 32 and 11. You get this clear in your spirit, man, it will answer so many questions for you. And just open up a world of understanding. Deuteronomy 32. Oh, thank you, Lord. The Lord helped me to see just right then. There are people that are with us watching by internet right now. And they got people with machine guns just right down the street from them. See, we tend to think about us. Perilous times, you don't have to tell them twice. They see it every day. 
These guys come to their neighbor's house and drag them out and carry them out and execute them. But God's protection works just the same. I don't care where you are, what dictator's in charge. Makes no difference. This word of God. This word of God. So my brother, my sister, in that war-torn, poverty-stricken, famine-stricken place, you say it again. We're going to say it with you. God is my protector. He's my defender. My God, in Him I trust. It may happen to a thousand. And 10,000 over here. here. But it won't won't happen happen to me. me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Did you know the Bible teaches us to be aware of our brothers and sisters throughout the world. And people who are being persecuted for his name's sake. And being martyred. We're not to just sit over here. And forget about it. We're to be aware. And I'm excited. Because this word's getting out. This word. Glory to God. And that's all God needs. I can't fix it. You can't fix it. But God. 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 And all he needs. I don't care. What place you're looking. The garbage heap. uh, What war torn ditch you're looking up out of all God needs is for you to believe him and say what we just said in faith and say the same thing tomorrow and say the same thing next day and the rest of your life and his covering will be over you glory to God his covering will be round about you and his angels Will move you when you need to be moved. Glory to God. This is the beginning of this series, but I tell you right now, we're going to hear some testimonies. We're going to hear some testimonies of even some spectacular things that God is doing and will do in the near future for some folks that were in danger and in a time of need. Phyllis will stand up here and read them. And we'll shout. We'll go, oh, glory to God. I mean, that sounds like the book of Acts. Well, it is. It's still being written. Still being written. God hasn't changed. He's still doing these things. Deuteronomy 32, are you there? Verse 9. Deuteronomy 32, 9. The Lord's portion... Is his people. There's nothing more important to him. Than us. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land. In the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him. As the apple of his eye. Say that out loud. He keeps me. As the apple. Of his eye. Now get this, as the eagle stirs up her nest and flutters over her young, spreads abroad her wings, taking them, bearing them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead him and there was no strange God with him. 
He made him ride on the high places of the earth. (laughs) Think about that every time I fly. That he might eat the increase of the fields. He made him to suck honey out of the rock. God will help you get things out of places and situations nobody else even thinks there. Honey out of the rock. And oil out of the flinty rock. Butter of kine and milk of sheep with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the fat of the kidneys of the wheat. He's talking about the best of the best. And you did drink the pure blood of the grape. But Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. You know, the Lord told Saul on the road to Damascus, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You're waxing fat. You're grown thick. You're covered with fatness. Then he forsook God which made him. Could also say that made him rich. And lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. And this has been a tragic trend with some even in our nation. Some have forsaken God. And many have lightly esteemed him. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to devils and not to God. To gods whom they knew not. To new gods that came newly up whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock that begat you, you are unmindful. And have forgotten God that formed you. Do we need to be mindful of our God? Hmm? Yes. Now, without reading all of it, you'll see that he talks about judgment coming on. Uh, For time's sake, skip on down to verse 28. They are a nation void of counsel. Neither is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise and that they understood this. That they would consider their latter end. That they would realize where this is going. And where it's going to end up. What about a nation that forsakes God? Where is it going to end up? You take the prayer out of the classrooms. You take the Ten Commandments off the court. House building wall. You take prayer out of this. You take the Bible out of this. And the preacher can't say anything at this occasion. And on this TV channel you can't use this verse. Where does it stop? Where is this going? This is going toward godlessness. Ungodly. Now we use that term, but there's a religious, oh, that's man, that's ungodly. And they don't even know what they mean when they say it. What does ungodly mean? Ungodly. What about the uncola? What's that? What's the uncola? It's no cola. No cola. What's ungodly? No God. And do we hear this? No, no, don't bring your God into this. Don't bring your religion into this. Separation of church and state. Got to keep them separate. Keep them separate. That ain't what people are after. They're after getting God out of everything. 
Don't try to bring God in this. Hey, God is here. He's real. He made this thing. He gives you your next breath. Now, you can deny that if you want to. You can play games about it if you want to. Take a breath. Do you have enough sense to know who gave you that? Blink your eyes. All things, the Bible said, are upheld by the word of his power. He owns us. Multiple times over. He owns us by right of creation. Then he bought back his own creation. Redeemed us with the blood of the lamb. He owns us second over by reason of buying us in redemption. Thirdly. We would make it out the night if he didn't sustain us and keep the sun shining and gravity pulling and your heart beating right. He sustains us every millisecond. And to try to act like there is no God and eliminate him from everything is being a big fool. And we got a lot of folk like that. So what's that got to do with protection? Everything. Now read the rest of this and you'll see. He said, would, that they understood this and they could see where this is going, their latter end. How should one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight except their rock had sold them and the Lord had shut them up? How could it be that an army that is Ten times the size of another one gets defeated. And the strongest superpower in the world gets defeated by something or someone that shouldn't have had a chance. Can it happen? How? Because he said their rock had sold them. And the Lord had shut them up. For their rock is not as our rock. Even our enemies themselves being judges. Now without reading all this. Let me skip down. Verse 36. Let me read 35. To me belongs vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand. And the things that shall come upon them make haste. For the Lord shall judge his people and repent himself for his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there is none shut up or left. And he shall say, where are their gods? Now get this. Where are their gods, their rock, in whom they trusted, which did eat the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings? Let them rise up and help you and be your protection. Did you hear what God said? What did he say? You left me. Or are you listening now? You left me. You got you some new gods. Now you're in trouble. Now an army that's only the tenth the size of you is whipping you. You're in a terrible distress. Now you're praying. Now you want me to protect you. I thought you had some new gods. Let them protect you. 
Pray to them. Go to them. Are these my words or God's words? Let me show you another place, the same thing. Judges. Judges 10. While you're turning to Judges 10, how did Psalm 91 start off? Huh? When it gets to your part, what did it say? I will say. Huh? Oh, do you see? This is not... Yes, we've heard this so many times until it can just go right over us. But here is our part of this legal, spiritual issue that gives him a right. He said, you got your own gods. You left me. You put me out. You didn't want me. Can you put God out? But keep his protection. Can you kick God out. But keep his blessing. And keep his. Now God we don't want you. We don't want your Bible. We don't want your word. We don't want anybody praying to you. We don't want anybody talking about you. But God bless America. Mm. It doesn't work. I said it doesn't work. He said, (laughs) let them rise up and help you. Let them be your protection. Hmm? Whatever it is, you substituted for God. Are people substituting things for God in this country and world today? Like what? What do they think is their thing instead of God? Hmm? Oh, we're all basically good people. You hear people, you wonder what planet they think they're living on. They talk about these terrorists and that they're basically good people. And if we just lay down our arms and just, you know, that they would just, everything would be great. There would be a different flag flying over this place by tomorrow. You'd be learning a new language. And if you didn't renounce the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, you could die. This is not theory. This has happened in the past. You got to decide who your God is. (laughs) And who it is and what it is you're counting on to protect you and make it through. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. Huh? But we, we, we. Come on, help me out now. We, us, we, we. We will say of the Lord. He's our refuge. He's my fortress. He's my protector. He's my God. In Him. I will trust in the Lord my God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God said, get them to help you. Get the UN to bail you out. Let your European partners fix it for you. Let your, you know, people say, well, we don't believe in God. We're scientific. 
We believe it's up. You get enough people doing that and they don't realize where they're going, it's going to come to a bad end. When they start hollering and crying, he'll say, let your science bail you out. You didn't want me. Let your science fix it for you. How many understand science cannot fix everything? Oh, that's too weak. Are you kidding me? Science? Do you know how quick the brightest minds on the planet can look at you and go, uh, we don't know. We can't help you. This is all we can do. Man, it can happen. Happens like that every day. Don't put your trust in men. You trust in princes whose breath leaves and that's it and they return to those. Put your faith in the Almighty, the eternal in the heavens, the creator of heavens and earth, who cannot fail, cannot lie, never gets weary. There's no end to his strength. His wisdom and his understanding is infinite. I believe in him. I said, I believe in him. He's real. He is my God. He is faith life church's God. He's my family's God. He's our God. He's my God. And we're counting on him. He's one we're relying on to get us through another day safely. Finish out our life down here and get our job done. Make it through this perilous, dangerous place until we get through. Can you say amen? Amen. Judges 10, did you find it? Somebody said out loud again, the Lord is my God. He's my protector. I'm not ashamed of him. I don't want him out. I want him in everything. Everything. Every part of my life. Hallelujah. Judges, the 10th chapter, Judges 10 and verse 6, it said the children of Israel did evil again, again, in the sight of the Lord, and they served Balaam and Ashtaroth and the gods of Syria and the gods of Zidon and the gods of Moab and the gods of the children of Ammon and the gods of the... Philistines, and they forsook the Lord, and they served not Him. Did you know in some of the worst famine-affected and poverty-affected places today, this happened generations ago? And people are dying, and it's awful, but they don't pray to God. They don't believe in Him. Nor did their father, nor did their father before him. They have forsaken him. They have other gods. And the politically correct world tells us, well, that's okay. They have their religions and they have their beliefs. Well, we can't fix the woes of the world. There's not enough money on the planet. There's not enough people on the planet to fix these problems. There's only one. I said there's only one who can do this. And he can do it. He can do it easily. But they must come to him. 
and let him be their God. If he is not their God, then he is not responsible for their protection. I know that's a statement you may think is strange, but I'm telling you, the more you read this, now you're going to find it out. We know this. We should see this. Something happened to you. Do you try to file a claim with an insurance company that you never had a policy with? (laughs) You say, I I had a wreck, man. Y'all got to fix my car. They go, who are you? I'm a citizen. (laughs) What policy did you have? Oh, I don't don't believe in policies. Y'all insurance company, ain't you? Yeah. But they don't know you, and they don't owe you anything. You have no rights with them. You have no, we call it a policy, a contract, but in the Bible it would be called a covenant. Are you with me now? If God is not your God, he's not responsible for you. This is something that people haven't understood concerning the whole area of church. If Jesus is not your Lord, and there's so many people, he's not. They are their own Lord. But then if something goes wrong, they expect him to fix it and take care of it. But he's not their Lord, and they have no intention of him being their Lord. People don't understand this. How many remember in the New Testament, James, it says, is there any sick among you? Huh? Do what? Let him call for the elders of the church. What church? What church? Who's the guy going to call? That means he has a church. (laughs) Some people already don't like this. But it's the ones who don't want to make any commitments to anybody, anything, including the Lord. They want all the benefits. They want all the protection. But they don't want any commitments. Leave me alone. I'm going to do my thing. Don't expect anything of me. Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. When I first started working with Brother Kenneth Hagin, we had a prayer and healing center. We did some counseling. And uh, people had just come in from all over. And they want to sit down and talk about their problems. Let's pray with them, believe with them, advise them. And we did. Talked on the phone people all over the world. People walked in from all over the country and places. Brother Hagin says something began to bother him. About the prayer and healing center. He didn't know what it was. But every Wednesday night we'd pray about it. We'd pray about it. Pray. One night he got in the spirit. And he said the Lord spoke to him about it. And this is what he said. He said the Lord told him. He said I never told you prayer and counseling. I told you prayer and healing. Man it's easy to get off. You got to stay with what the Lord told you. And so he wrote it down, because he's telling us this the next few days. We made some changes immediately. But he said, uh, the Lord told him this. He said, besides that, 
Sheep should be counseled in their own sheepfold. And if they don't have a sheepfold, that's a huge part of their problem. Sheep should be counseled in their own sheepfold. Why? Number of reasons. There's so many reasons. See, and I saw this later. We're having people come to us and they're telling us a fraction their side of the deal. We don't know them. We've never seen them. Got no background, no history, no experience. And they're slanting it. But when somebody lives with you, works beside you for 10 years. Huh? (laughs) You know what's really going on. And so you're better equipped to help. But see, that's what people don't want to do that. They want to run in and give you a twisted, slanted thing and get you to tell me that I'm okay. And I'm right and they're wrong. That's why sheep shouldn't be counseled outside their own sheepfold. And if they don't have a sheepfold, that's a big part of their problem. We have people that come, they want us to help them. And we help people all the time. It's not a part of this church. Don't misunderstand me. But you're limited, particularly spiritually. Help us with this. Did you notice that phrase, let him call for the elders? There is a submission here. He's acknowledging that they are his elders. And this is his church. And he's asking them to come and minister. This gives them a legal right. Some folks see it, some don't. This gives them a lead. I learned this early. I'd go out to visit people at the hospital and I'd see somebody in the room and I'm going to go in there and speak to them. Or somebody's second cousin called because their friend's sister had a friend that was in the hospital. Would we go by see them? And so I'd show up. I want to help people. So I'd show up and go, hey man, you know, uh, you're, you know, go through the whole rigmarole. They go, what are you doing here? I don't know you. So, yeah, but you know, your sister's friend's cousin called and said, you know, I don't believe in all that. Can you help them? You have no rights. You have no rights to use your faith to help them. Do y'all see this or not? There's been cases in Phyllis and mine that people call and they have left this church. And they've gone somewhere else because they didn't like something. But when they got in trouble, they wanted us to help them with our faith spiritually. And it wasn't that we didn't want to. We didn't have a right to. We knew in our heart they have taken themselves out from under us. It's not our right. Now, if you don't understand that, don't throw it away. We've been doing this for years, and I'm telling you, this is a real issue. You can only help people with your faith to the degree that they're submitted to you and to the degree they believe in you. They believe in you. That's the way it is with God himself. If you don't believe in him and you've not submitted to him, he doesn't have a legal right to help you and protect you. He himself set it up that way because that's right. That's righteous.
It's pretty quiet in here. It's true. I don't know what else to tell you. It's true. It's true. I, Phyllis and I were, Brother Dave and Kim, I don't think they'll mind me saying this, they're building them a new house. And it's going real good. And we were driving by where they were working on it, Phyllis and I going somewhere doing, we saw it. And something come up, it need, we realized this needs to change on this house, it needs to be done. Immediately, Phyllis and I took authority over it. This ain't our house. We took authority over it. We claimed this to begin to happen. We prayed and asked this. And we believe we received it just like it was our house. And as I drove on down the road, the Lord spoke to me. He said, you do realize you couldn't have done that for everybody. I thought, yeah, of course not. He said, why? He said, you didn't even have to call Dave and ask him, could you do that concerning his house? You know the answer. Oh, do y'all see this or not? He said, the reason I prompted you and Phyllis that you could do this is because he has already submitted to me and to you. You don't even have to ask. I don't have to call him and Kim and say, can we pray about y'all's house? I know the answer. But that is not true with everybody. And nationally and globally, how many Christians, they believe in God, but they're not submitted to anybody or anything. Don't dare try to tell them anything in their life. It's just them and Jesus. (laughs) Not really. Look at this. Judges 10. 6. We already read it. They did evil and they served Balaam. All these other gods. Verse 7. And the Lord understood. (laughs) That people are weak. And so he just protected them anyway. Because bless their hearts. They're just ignorant. No. Made him mad. Made him angry. Why? Well, it'd be just like a husband and wife. The Bible uses this example. A uh, man that's been faithful to his wife for decades and loved her and protected her and cared for her and did everything for her and she just leaves for no reason and takes up with another man. Is he supposed to be cool with that? But she wants him to continue to support her. And if she gets in trouble, she wants him to take care of it and fix it. Well, no. I said, no. The Lord does not hold to that, and you don't have to hold to that. He's merciful. He is. But you reject him, he is not obligated to you. He is not obligated to protect you or to meet your needs or take care of you. In fact, he doesn't have a legal right to do it. He's the one that set it up that way. Now notice. Verse 7, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. 
And he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the children of Ammon. Now, I don't feel like I should get into this too much, but what is protection? One word for protection is covering. Yes. You'll see it often, covering. Yes. And it is not just an abstract thing. God's power and presence covers this whole church. Yes. Covers me and Phyllis and you as we move around. All of us that believe him and love him and claim him as our God and our protector. There is a real protection and it's called the hand of God sometimes. It's called the covering of God. He compares it to like a hen putting her wings over her young. What is he describing here? He said sold them into the hands of their enemies. What does that mean? Oh, do you see this? We don't want you. We don't want your Bible. We don't believe in you. We don't believe in all that bloody religion. We don't believe in all that. That's just religion. It's crutches for weak people. We don't want you. We don't want you in. We don't want to pray to you. We don't want to talk about you. We want you out. What choice does God have? Legally, with the way he set up, he has to. That's what the devil's been waiting on. He would have killed all of us long ago if he could. But he can't get through that. I said he can't get through that. No man, no woman wants God doing this. No family, no church, no nation wants God out of their business. They can talk all they want to. But when God does this, it is open season on you. The curse and devils and crazy people. You're on your own. I don't want to be on my own for 10 minutes. I want to know that that covering is over me. That protection is around me. Those angels are over me and around me. I want to know that. And everybody that's mine and everything that's under my hand, I want to know it. I want to know it. I want to know it. What's the beginning of it? I will say. Yeah, you're getting it. I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge. He's my protector. He's my defender. He's my fortress. He is my God. And I'm not ashamed of him. I'm not ashamed of his gospel. Don't tell me to leave God at home. I don't go anywhere without God. No, no. I don't get in the car without God. I don't come to work without God. I don't eat without God. I don't take a bath without God. I don't cut the grass without God. God is in me. And He's on me. And He's around me. And I don't leave home without Him. And I don't stay at home without Him. Because <laughs> apart from Him, it's scary. It's dangerous, man. You can get killed. Quick. This is a dangerous place. It's perilous times. <laughs> he sold them. He turned them. He left them, you could say, in the hands of the Philistines. He left them. You don't want me? Okay. There you go. And the hands of the children of Ammon. And that year they vexed and oppressed 
the children of Israel, 18 years. Man. All the children of Israel that were on the other side of Jordan in the land of the Amorites, which was in Gilead. Moreover, the children of Ammon passed over Jordan, crossed their border, came into their land, and against Benjamin and the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was sore distressed. And that's what happens when God's protection comes off of you. And the children of Israel cried to the Lord, and they said, we've sinned against you. Took them 18 years. But if you ever find yourself in this place, don't wait 18 years, don't wait 18 days. You're getting yourself kicked and you're getting yourself hurt and destroyed. Something's wrong. This ain't supposed to be happening to me. You best get to repenting. Put your nose in the carpet. Say, God, forgive me. Help me to see. Where did I open the door? What did I do on this? You're my God. And the Lord said to the children of Israel. Now listen. This is when they came back to him after 18 years. And they said, we forsook our God and we've been serving Balaam. And the Lord did answer them. He said, didn't I deliver you from the Egyptians? Didn't I deliver you from the Amorites? The children of Ammon? Didn't I deliver you already from the Philistines? So like I remember delivering you from the Zidonians too. And the Amalekites. And the Mayanites oppressed you, and you cried to me, and I delivered you. Hadn't we been here before? I delivered you. Yet, after I delivered you from the Egyptians, the Amorites, Ammonites, Philistines, the Zidonians, the Amalekites, the Mayanites, I did. I protected you, and I delivered you, and I got you out of all that. Yet, you have forsaken me, and you've served other gods. So I will deliver you no more. Go and cry to the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your tribulation. Do you see this? This is the mouth of two witnesses. There's much more. Can a man, a woman, a family, a business, a nation, a church... Reject God and keep his protection. No, you cannot. So all of this stuff about getting God out, getting him out of the schools, getting him out of the courthouse, getting him off the public property, getting him out of the courts, getting him out of your business, getting him off the TV, it can only go to one place. It can only wind up in one place. And that's our enemies. Having power over us. Ungodly people don't believe it. But it's in the Bible. It has happened over and over and over again. But even in the midst of it. Somebody says, what if too many people do it? God will honor your faith. I don't care what happens. If a thousand. Fall on one side. And ten thousand. Now friend, these are heavy casualties. All around you. Yet it will not happen to you. Why? Because you have made the Lord your God. Your protector. And your fortress. You didn't reject him. You didn't refuse him. You don't want him out of anything. You want him in everything. And you'd say it when it was not popular. 
And you don't apologize for God. And you don't make excuses. And you're not ashamed of Him. No. Well, you can't pray before this. Why can't I? Watch me. God, we just ask you to protect us this afternoon. No, I don't like that. Well, tough. I don't like getting hurt. <laughs> this ain't, we ain't playing religion. We believe this. <laughs> Man, this is tough. This is tough when God tells you, hey, go cry to them. That's who you replace me with. Get your science to fix it. Let your technology bail you out of this. Let your education. Get all your brilliant minds from your university. Let them fix this for you. These are not my words. God said go to them. Let them get you out of this. They can't. I said they can't. And only a fool would swap the great almighty Jehovah for flesh and blood or a computer chip or a test tube. How ignorant can you be? But we're not that ignorant. We are not. We love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength. And we don't care who sees or hears. We love God. We believe in God. He's my refuge. Come on, stand up and say it. He's my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my God. I trust in Him. Glory to God. Lift up your hands. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.